Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships in midlife. And today, I'm excited to be speaking with physician, attorney, and author, Lynn Marie Morsky, about why confronting your fears is the most critical stage of a breakup. We had a lot of emails and, and um, questions about breakups all the time because it's one of the most difficult things that people go through. So I am really excited to be speaking with Lynn Marie and before I bring her on, I just want to say that I have loved being a love coach for the past 11 years. This is work that has not only changed so many lives and brought love to people who have really never experienced it, sometimes really for the first time in their lives, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond. And really the first step in finding love is loving yourself. It's finding your own value and knowing what your boundaries are around the standards that you set for yourself and for others, and to do it with grace, to do it as a woman, not harshly, but really knowing those boundaries, knowing who can cross them, nobody. (laughs) Um, So when you are a woman of value, you really attract in love like a man magnet, and this is something that I absolutely love doing. And I am now expanding the Woman of Value movement to the workplace. And in fact, I'm starting next week with a big pharmaceutical company with a series of lunch and learns on how to find your value at work and communicate boldly and with empowerment. And so I'm super excited about that. And every week I bring you a tip on how to become a Woman of Value. And this week's tip is be a lifetime learner. I, I went on a date yesterday with somebody, and he one of the things that really attracted me to him was that he said he's always learning and growing, and that is really a must-have for me because when you are a lifetime learner, you become interested in so many things, and you then become more interesting. So we never should give up learning. I just feel like there's so much out there for us to grow and learn from, and everything in life can be turned into a lesson, something that we can really grow with. And uh, I'll be bringing on Limery in one minute, but I also wanted to quickly tell you that if you're not yet a member of the Woman of Value Club, what are you doing not being a member? <laughs> this is like the most amazing club that I started a few months ago. This is actually month number two. And it's a membership club, very, very low membership rate. And right now you can get a trial membership for free for the first month. It is, um, we have one topic call every single month for an hour on a video conferencing line. And this month's topic is how to understand and communicate with men over 40. I find that most issues and relationships come from misunderstandings and women need to understand that men are not just hairy women, as Alison Armstrong says, but they are really different from us. And when we really understand that, we can connect with them much more deeply. 
So to join and find out more about the Woman of Value Club, go to lastfirstdate.com, my website, and click on the group coaching tab and you will be brought to the Woman of Value Club page and you can join from there. The club uh, topic meeting is this Monday night, December 11th. So join today and be part of that of that call. And now I am going to bring on our guest, Lynn Marie Morsky. She is a doctor, a speaker, an attorney, an author. She has a lot of things. And she's also a lifelong quitter. <laughs> she's the founder of Quitting by Design. And she is on a mission to help people carve out a successful life through strategic quitting. I actually love that, and I can't wait to hear more. And since her first big quit at the age of 21, she discovered the power of quitting to inform your life's true purpose and path. And she has a new book, Quitting by Design, which teaches readers how to maximize the benefits and minimize the challenges associated with major life changes. So join me now for episode number 335, Why Confronting Your Fears is the Most Critical Stage of a Breakup. Welcome to the show, Lynn Marie. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. So first question I have is, what was that first big quit at the age of 21? (laughs) That would be when I quit my job as a multimedia designer and decided to go to medical school to become a sports medicine doctor because Mm. I thought I knew what I wanted with my career trajectory and I mean, that was all through grade school, high school. I was going to be a broadcast journalist. And it took some slight twists and turns in college. I ended up being a multimedia designer from the video editing world. It was all just like slight pivots to that point. But then I made just a massive quit and said, I'm going to be, I'm going to leave multimedia completely and go into medicine. And how long did that second part of your life journey last? Uh, well, it took a decade to get to become a sports medicine doctor because I had done nothing resembling science in my very, very liberal arts <laughs> undergrad. So I had to do pre-med, med school, residency, fellowship. And then I got to the end of that and realized, oh, I, I don't love this either. And so I had to strategically put the parts of medicine that were the most troublesome for me and, there, and then like thereby carving out a practice type that only focused on the parts that did work for me. And from then I went on to law school and I've done the same thing over and over, just made little shifts and quits along the way to carve out the the path that works best for my values in life. Mm, I love that. And I like the shifts and quits. And I think most people, actually this was a conversation I had on my date yesterday was he started out as an economist and then a pharmacist. And now he sells commercial real estate. And he said he was, he was like uh, the rule follower. He did everything his parents told him to do. And then one day he said, I'm going to break every rule. This is not working for me. And I'm like, I yeah. like this guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If we could yeah. put society's expectations and parental expectations, so many of the quits don't have to happen. But so many of us yeah. have followed those paths. And then there's a lot of quits that that results from living somebody else's truth for a long time. Yeah. And that's, that's what gets us into the wrong relationships as well is that we, you know, I, I remember even one guy I dated ended up in the wrong marriage because he was set up on his second marriage 
with, with this woman. And he felt well because these people who set him up know him so well, then she must be so wonderful. So he kind of totally put his intuition to sleep and married the wrong woman and had a kid with her. And I think a lot of times people think that, like, oh, they set me up. They must think we're a great match. So even if I don't feel it, maybe I should just try and make it work. Um, wow. So, yeah, do you have any theories about, like, why people get into the wrong relationships? You know, the, the pre-quit. Like, what, what happens yes. here? Yes. I think it all boils down to settling. And people settle for different reasons. I think a lot of people who get into these relationships, there's probably some, like you said, some little piece of intuition that says this person isn't Mr. or Ms. right for you or Mr. forever for you, but they may feel like if they want kids, they may feel like, oh, I'm running out of time, or it may be an issue of loneliness, like, okay, this person isn't amazing, but I'm so tired of being alone, or it may be, it it could be something, you know, we don't like to talk about this, but it could be something as as kind of basic as a financial need like it is definitely Mm -hmm. harder to live on your own than it is to split rent and so if somebody comes along they're not ideal but they're they want to live with you and they can split rent let's just be honest I, i mean if you're asking why do people make these decisions they may not think about it consciously but somewhere in their subconscious a lot of these factors might be swirling around that lead them to settle for these less than ideal partners Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think especially the people who are in their 60s and 70s who had married young and married for all the wrong reasons, uh, often it was parental, you know, um, pressure or their ovaries were drying up in their, I mean, that's what I thought when I was 28, I thought my ovaries were drying up. Um, (laughs) Right now I look back, I'm like, um, no, they were far, far from drying up. Um, but it's it's making a decision where your intuition tells you something really strongly, and you go, "Nah, that can't be right." You know, I'll just yeah. I'll just push that aside. I'll just bury that under the rug, and that's where we make the worst decisions. Yes, absolutely. And so, I think that's my yeah. my sorry my my mission to spread. I think there's a delay in our phone call somehow, but I, the the uh, mission I have. <laughs> I feel like I need to share it because my body does not let me ignore my intuition. It will fight Mm -hmm. me in very, very physical or mental ways that are not subtle. So if I'm in a relationship that's totally wrong, I'll have backache. I will get irritable. Like it is not something that I can push under the rug. And what I'm guessing is that other people have lower levels of those symptoms, but they are able to push them under the rug or they just suffer through them and they don't realize, oh, these are symptoms that my intuition is yelling at me that this relationship isn't right. So my goal is to educate people on what those symptoms might be so that they're not going to their doctor like, oh, I've got acid reflux, I've got chronic pain. Uh, No, you have a chronically bad relationship that's causing the stress that's leading to these other things. And so I'm hoping to elucidate that for people. Yeah, I think that it's such an important thing. Our body really doesn't lie. And so many times people miss, why do I have backache? Why do I have these chronic issues? And they're not dealing with the internal stuff and, you know, just kind of closing their eyes. And I, and like the woman who, the woman who just hired me, she said she saw this guy's car and knew the first time she saw his car, like this is a relationship that will never work. The guy was like a a hoarder. He, he had no money. Um, His car was a complete mess and she just ignored it, you know, and it's, it's like, comes back to bite you, (laughs) you know, comes back to bite you big time. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
So this is how we get into the wrong relationships. And um, so it's important to, to quit um, a relationship that's not working. And you make a distinguish between quitting and giving up. Um, what is the difference? Quitting and strategic quitting, which is specifically what I talk about, is a thoroughly thought out and planned process. Giving up is generally like, oh, the going gets hard, I'm out. You know, giving up in a relationship setting is like, oh, we've had one argument, I just walk out of the relationship. That argument wasn't comfortable, nah, I'm done. Strategically quitting a relationship is realizing, okay, there's been a pattern of arguments and my intuition is telling me that these aren't going to get better and they're over major issues that are not going to change. You know, it's not like, oh, we had one argument in over directions one day. Like these are fundamental things we're arguing about or he treats me or she treats me in a way that I don't find respectful. Then you plan, you don't, and you also just don't walk out because there's some planning involved. Like if you don't live together, then there are fewer things to plan. But I've been in relationships before where we did not live together. We were both physicians and he, we had this big board exam coming up. Am I going to break up with him the day before the board exam? No. And I, you know, <laughs> I even remember, and you know, this is something that's questionable. I will say, you know, I waited a few weeks knowing I wanted to break up, but I knew it was for his better good to wait through the exam. Cause I, I didn't think anybody should be going into a three-day medical exam right after a breakup. He wasn't thrilled. He's like, why did you wait? And I'm thinking, yeah, like, it seems bad now, but the alternative is you having maybe done poorly on a $1,000 exam, you know? So take the other person's situation into consideration because when you do the breakup, if you do it willy-nilly and there is something like that coming up, or if you live together and you walk out and then they've got finances all askew, you're going to make an enemy. And Nobody's goal in life mm -hmm. is to make more enemies, right? We'd rather have amicable, break amicable breakups than not. So mm -hmm. even if you, you, know, you don't have like financial entanglements or whatever, it's best to strategically plan the breakup so that there are as few bridges burned as possible. Mm. I like that. Um, I agree. I think, you know, we take the high road and um, and don't burn your bridges if you can help it. I mean, you can't re you can't predict somebody's response, but if you take precaution, at least you've done your share. Exactly. All right. So let's let's talk about the fears because that is the topic of today's talk, and. Um, so we have a breakup, and why is confronting your fears the most critical stage? Well, it's probably what keeps people from doing the breakup. So essentially, to be able to enact a breakup, you have to confront these fears. And I see a lot of people that stay in relationships because they have not confronted and overcome these fears. And so step one, you know, in the strategic quitting process, Step one is figuring out, okay, there's something I need to quit. Step two is figuring out exactly what it is. And by the way, if your relationship has problems, it may not be that the whole relationship needs to be quit. It may be one aspect of it. Like maybe the schedule that you guys have for going out is too strenuous for one person or not, not enough for the other person. Like there may just be small quits or changes that you can make that will make a big difference. But if you've decided the whole relationship needs to go, then a lot of people get stuck in stage three, which is overcoming the fears. So that's why it's crucial to identify what fears may be keeping you from breaking up when you know it has to happen. Mm. So can you go over stage one and two? I, I, you spoke so quickly, I kind of missed those. Absolutely. Sorry. Stage one, deciding whether or not there's something that needs to be quit. 
This is where you're checking in with your intuition, and it applies to relationships, jobs, mindsets, the Peace Corps, uh, your jazz bands, like any uh, a type of diet, anything you might need to quit. Mm-hmm. This is just where you're checking with, with your intuition. Okay, something is out of alignment here. What is it? And then in step two, it's when you've generally narrowed it down to, okay, I think it's my job. I think it's my relationship. Then in step two, you whittle down to like, okay, if it's a job, is it the entire job that needs to go? Or I just don't like my specific duties at work and I should move to a different department or I don't like the commute and I can work from home. And with a relationship, you know, if the only thing you fight about is who's going to vacuum, hire a house cleaner, like, Relationships, relationships are hard to find. If, if the only thing bothering you is the cleaning schedule, then quit the cleaning schedule, get a housekeeper, keep the relationship. But mm-hmm. that's, that's what step two is, deciding what exactly needs to go. And, you know, if it's just quitting the cleaning, then there probably aren't a lot of fears to overcome. If it is that the whole relationship needs to go, then you move on to step three, which is overcoming the more esoteric, internal, mind-based fears which are like, what about the time I've invested in this relationship or what are people going to think if I quit? Step four is preparing the logistics. Like if you are leaving a relationship where you live together or are married, then there are a lot of logistics to prepare. Like where are you going to live? How are you going to have, you know, the the finances all in, in order? And then the fifth step is enacting the quit in the way like we were talking about before that preserves relationships as best as possible. Okay. Um, so, so let's, let's get to the fears. So they, we have these mind-based fears, like the time you invested and what about finances and all that stuff. And I know, I know people who are paralyzed in that stage. And I have a friend who's married probably close to 40 years and despises her husband, really, literally like so much contempt. And every time I speak to her, I'm like, what is stopping you from leaving? Because, like, she planned this whole year to be away from her husband. Oh, I have this great plan for my birthday. I'm going to go to this country, and then I'm going to go to California for that thing. And I'm like, you're running away. (laughs) Just freaking leave this guy. So, you know, there's there's financial stuff. There's all kinds of stuff. It's like, wow, what? you can't even see it because you're so close to it. But, um, so, yeah, so... So how, how do people on overcoming their fears? Step one is to identify what their fears are. Like if your friend has the money to jet set around the world, maybe finances are <laughs> not her fear. That it mm-hmm. may be something else. It may be the fear of being alone. It may be the fear of, oh, my, my partner is a prestigious person and people are going to think I'm crazy if I leave. Or, I mean, I have a friend who lives in a, an Arab country and in his country, like, divorce is just such a, a societal no-no. And that's all just mm-hmm. about what other people think. You're, and, and, and that's, frankly, my favorite, probably, to tackle one of my favorites because what other people think of you has generally zero bearing, bearing on your life. If somebody is miserable mm-hmm. in a relationship, they are the ones suffering all day long. What other people think about their relationship is not what's causing their suffering. It's their being in it. So what other people think about them leaving is not going to cause them any suffering. So they gossip. Does that actually impact their lives at all? No. Generally, not, not at all. Like there's some right. <laughs> fa- family business or some big lawsuit or I don't know, whatever it is. Like most of us are not living these dynasty type lives where that's actually going to affect our <laughs> our outcome. Um, Mm -hmm. So 
it's just the first step is to figure out what those fears are because there's a thousand different ways to combat them, but you have they're each specific to what fear they're having. Right. So you identify them, then you tackle each one. Right. I mean, I remember years ago I, I was coaching before I became a dating coach. I was more of a general life coach, and I, I coached a man who had lost his job um, he was laid off and his wife was still working for the company. And it was devastating for him because he thought this was it for life. So now what? And one of his biggest fears was I'll be homeless. And so we went there. So then we'll, what will happen if you lose all your money? Then what will happen? Then what will happen? And then he just started laughing. He's like, I'm never going to be homeless. I can't, I can't do that. That's not in my DNA. Because um, he was starting right. his own business. Which he, which he ended up doing successfully, but he had to overcome all these, these fears, which were irrational. They were just fears. Um, yeah, and, and you, bring up a, you bring up a good point. What you just described is something that Tim Ferriss calls fear setting in uh, his book, Tools of Titans. And that's a great way to tackle, you know, generally I say like before, okay, the answer to, to overcoming your fear is specific to the fear, but you're right. The fear setting practice can kind of go throughout whatever the fear is. And it's essentially just what's the worst outcome? How likely is that outcome to happen? Which is probably where your, your client was like, uh, not likely at all. <laughs> but if mm-hmm. that does happen, you know, uh, then what, how would I prepare for that? And then when mm-hmm. you go into whatever the, the breakup is, you have a plan for the absolute worst possible outcome, which, you know, in your, your client's situation, okay, if somehow I lose all of my money and I do become homeless, okay, then I call this friend and I couch surf with them for a while. Like, have some plan which takes away the fear of the unknown, because a lot of these fall into fear of the unknown. Unknown if there's going to be a better partner out there, unknown what your friends or family are thinking about your quit, you know, unknown how your finances are going to be if you're splitting a household. But the fear setting process can help tackle that and make it seem less uh, formidable. Mm, so true. And and people don't realize like just getting to that next step can create that safety net that you need to take to take those scary steps because there is it's a, it is a degree of risk. We can't predict all the steps, but we can know that if this happens, we can do this. And I know that like in my divorce, one of my biggest fears is my kids are going to be completely a mess. You know, I just the impact of divorce is is hard on kids. And so I prepared so well for that aspect and put them as my priority after my divorce. I did not date. I was starting a new business. I bought a house. I mean, I had a lot of stressors, but they knew that the conversation was going to keep happening. Whenever they had a question, I was there for them. They were my priority. And it it paid off. I mean, they're great kids. They have incredible EQ. They're, you know, they just, they're pretty balanced. And I think better off after the divorce than they were in the marriage. So for a lot of people, they don't realize that your kids can actually benefit from being in healthy households than in a household that's not healthy. Absolutely. I had a podcast guest on, and the story that he told was about how he recently called and thanked his parents for getting a divorce because it showed him at an early age how to strategically quit and, and the courage that, 
it takes, but also how beneficial it can be because they both, I believe, both of his parents ended up marrying people that were way better suited for him. They, they both pulled themselves, like his dad had become very poor after the breakup and he got to watch his dad build himself back up. Like it showed him these incredible life lessons and he thanked them for, you know, like, because what you said is that it is no better to model a terrible marriage to your kids for the 18 years they're under your roof. That is not doing them a mm-hmm. service whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I grew up <laughs> with my parents staying married until the last one of us was out of the house. And I remember when I, I was 16 when I came to my mom and I said, why are you still married to dad? Like, you guys can't stand each other. And it's really hard living in this house with the two of you fighting all the time. And my mother looked at me like I had two heads. Like, you know, and, and so when I got divorced, she said, well, how would you have felt if your 16-year-old daughter had come to you saying that? I said, I would have listened to her. I mean, I was smart. Yeah. I was telling you something smart. Like, you didn't listen yes. to me for another 10 years. <laughs> 12 yeah. years. Yeah. So it's, it's, it takes its toll, but people think they're doing the right thing. And, and so... Quitting is hard for a lot of people because they think of all the, the effects it's going to have on other people. They're not prepared. Um, so I think, you know, but a lot of people do quit relationships unnecessarily. And this is something that I have really been upset with because I see as soon as the going gets tough, it's like, nah, I'm out. And I think there is a natural stage in relationships where you start seeing each other's flaws and you start seeing the issues that come up because you're no longer in that honeymoon stage where everything is fantastic and wonderful and their poop smells like flowers. And, you know, Um, so, so do you have any advice for people who are like ready to bolt when, when it's not the right time? Are you suggesting Oh, you're saying when it's not the right time to bolt or not the right time to be in a relationship? I'm guessing not the right time to bolt. No, not, um, well, yeah, not the right time to bolt. Like you're in a relationship okay. and like you were saying before, like, you know, it's not so easy to find the right person. Yeah. Well, two things, because right time, we're putting a judgment on their choice, right? And maybe they don't want to be in a long-term relationship. Like that maybe that they just kind of defaulted, fell into one, and the second that they got an easy out, they took it because that's not what they want. Like not everybody wants a long-term married partner thing. Many do, mm-hmm. a whole lot do, but if that isn't your goal, then it's not to, for us to say if you should or shouldn't stay in these relationships. Maybe you should or shouldn't lead the other person on to think that you do want a long-term relationship, but that's a whole other discussion. But I would say mm-hmm. that if you're in the relationship, what you're describing is essentially giving up. And that's what I was describing before. It got a little hard mm-hmm. to give up. Um, but I have been in this same situation very distinctly. About six years ago, I remember I was in a relationship. It got to like past the three or four month part and it lost all of its luster. And I started having, I started getting really irritable. And I asked every person I know, is this just because we've like left the honeymoon phase? And it just continued to get worse for me. I got irritable. Then I got back pain. And then I would get irritable like with him to the point where he was having, you know, like he was getting sad because I was always irritable. So like this was a terrible situation, but I kept staying 
and by the way, cap, like maybe I lasted five, six months at the most, I, but I think because I thought like, oh, I'm supposed to give it a try past this. Okay. It's not the honeymoon anymore. No, sometimes the honeymoon wears off and you shouldn't. I'm, I, I have a, I am a professional quitter, as I said, so I can't even fathom an instance where there's a should. I mean, society's, everyone's a should on everybody else. Like there's no should stay in a relationship. Like if it's not, don't give up. Don't walk out after one fight if you don't want to. <laughs> you know, like, there's nobody, there's no societal, like, uh, need for people to be coupled up. Yes, people like that. Um, but if you're the kind of person that's giving up after one fight and then you come crying, like, why can't I find any good people? Then, yes, maybe you should stop doing that and, 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 um, and stay for longer. But I think if you're giving up that easily, you might have been looking for an out. Um, or you're not meant to be in a relationship. Because I think most people that realize the value of a relationship and the value of their partner and, and they value that relationship because it's what they want in life wouldn't walk away so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you bring up a good point because the four-month four mark is where most people feel like, should I stay or should I go? But if you're forcing yourself to stay because you think you're supposed to just get through this period and it's a should and you were experiencing actual bodily pain then that's a pretty good sign. And I think that most people just just have a pattern of, you know, they, they don't stay past any conflict. I think in the right relationship, when you work through conflict, you deepen a relationship. And in the wrong relationship, you just can't, you can't work it out. Um, it's just really a mismatch. Yeah, and I think that the, the situation I was describing, there wasn't even conflict. There was only conflict because mm. I was making it. Because I was unhappy. Yeah. Uh, it had nothing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, times got hard. Times got hard internally for me. And maybe that's a distinction. If you are creating conflict to try to get out of this thing, that's, one, that's a whole different telltale sign about maybe you need to quit compared to a conflict arises and you guys don't deal with it well and you bolt. Like, those are two different mm-hmm. things. I was not – there was no yeah. – conflict without me creating it. And that was my, that was the irritability I was talking about is like my body cannot handle when I'm in the wrong situation. It will like randomly get dramatic or irritable. And like the second I see that, I'm like, that's not me. Something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. I, I get to a point also where I can't live with myself if I stay. There's just, uh, there's just yes. no way. Um, and I know it. Yeah. I know it because I'm also extremely in touch with my intuition. But I stayed for 23 years in a marriage that wasn't working well. And I thought, oh, I just, I have four kids. I have to stay, you know. So it's, it's, wow. it's, I was fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. Yeah, it took, it took a big toll. And so I don't do that anymore. Um, so yeah. as, a, as a final, <laughs> as we come to the end here, this is such an important topic. And I think that, um, you know, people really will benefit from really knowing how to trust their body trust when it's time to quit and and overcome the fear of quitting um, because quitting has its benefits because something else is on the other side of it. And so I think, you know, change, change can be really scary for people. But to me, it's always been the gift of change is that something that you maybe not even didn't even expect waiting for you on the other side. Um, so if you can leave our audience with one final message about how to go on their last first date 
or what are the benefits of quitting or whatever you'd like to leave us with, um, I would love to hear. I would say if you're in a relationship that isn't working for you, like you just said, you staying in that relationship is costing you the opportunity to go on that last first date. You cannot, Mm. there are not unlimited things we can do with our time and unlimited relationships we can be having at the same time. There's a finite amount of time and energy that you have. And if you're in the wrong situation, free yourself so that the right opportunity can come along. Mm, I love that. Free yourself, everybody. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much. So if you can tell everybody, Lynn-Marie, how how to find you and how to order your book, that would be great. Absolutely. You can go to quittingbydesign.com. From there, you can access my podcast. It's called Quit Happens. You can also grab my book, Quitting by Design. And if you're on social media, I am Quitting by Design on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Awesome. And and you should have me on your show because I'm a really good quitter. <laughs> awesome. I, I'll put all this in the show notes, um, LaMarie. And um, thanks, everybody, for listening today. And if you love our show, please rate and review it over at iTunes. That helps more people find us. Um, so thanks again, and I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great one. <laughs>